0: Hello, you guys. It's Star Wars Year by Podcast, exclusively on the Steel Wars and Blue Harvest Patreon feeds. This is uh, mine and my buddy Steel here. It's kind of a Star Wars history podcast, I guess, where we go through the Star Wars Year by Year book. And this episode, we're on 1978. And here's my buddy, Steel Saunders. Hey, whores. Hey, all you guys. That, that was very Muppet show.
1: That, Thank you. Ha- I get that as a compliment. That is a compliment. That is a compliment. Hey, I've I- I got to bring something up with you. It just popped into my head. Okay. So um, I'm going to be very vague with this, so people don't get spoiled. But there was a recent article, uh, like a, a, a leak from uh, making Star Wars, that someone had a was returning and they had a beard.
0: Right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. So, watch Jason's video. And he sort of insinuates that Jar Jar must have fallen on hard times because he has a beard.
0: I don't like that. I didn't see the video, and I don't don't like that assumption. Straight away, I was just like, whoa. Seems Either like that or, buddy, I have been on a 10-year streak of hard times. I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh, more hard times than Dusty Rhodes. But uh, good to talk to you, Hawes. I-, I love doing this show. So this is normally a, uh, a Patreon exclusive, but this is episode nine. And the Steel Wars Patreon rules are every third episode. We'll put up on the, uh, on the main feeds to um, – to tantalize the uh, the non patrons with some Patreon edge, and so this is the ninth episode. We've just hit nineteen seventy eight. I, I think nineteen seventy seven was it was a three episode arc, if I'm not wrong, horse. It was. It was a trilogy. Oh, that's that's lovely. Um, George said it should be a trilogy, so um, we have to stick to that. Um, that's a metaphor, I think. Or something. Uh, it's a sub-tweet a sub-podcast this is a sub-podcast
0: but it's a boy podcast. have there been a lot of sub-tweets going on lately <laughs> you know look I don't want to get us too off track I, I gotta talk to somebody about this because like Jesse like, the minute uh, first I of
1: all up, I don't want to get you off track I'm going off track but we haven't even got to the, the like we haven't even started the year yet
0: and, and we're gone so Jesse has to get tired of this because every time I bring it up, she's like, I promise you that's not about you. When you read a subtweet, is there something in your brain that goes, oh, that's definitely about me? Even if you don't know the person that well? No, because often it's, they just say my name but spell it oh. wrong. So I, I know it's about me. Well, yeah, I guess that makes things easier. huh? But
1: maybe you should talk to Jackie about this because she gets – Sub honked
0: in traffic. Oh, so does Jesse. Anytime she hears a horn honk, she's like, why are they honking at me? And I'm like, I, I don't think they were. You're just driving normally in the middle lane following the speed limit. Like <laughs> every single honk she hears, she's like, that, that was at me. What- what's their problem?
1: Well, this is the sound effect in our car. Because quite often, I, like I, normally I'll drive. And mm-hmm. you know, Jackie might be in the back with Harry. And every time there is a honk in L.A. traffic, which is quite a bit, yep. I have to follow up with my driver's commentary of, not for us. <laughs> honk, not for us. <laughs> and each time she's grateful I've pointed it out because she's already like, like looking around for answers.
0: Well... I got to tell you, I think I have to start adopting your method, but I love this idea.
1: You just DM me the tweet and I'll reply, not about you, <laughs> not about you. And then I'll forward a few of those tech tweets to like King Tom and go, Oh, did you read this about balls? That's,
0: br- that's mean. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that one bit. You just gave my anxiety anxiety. Uh, well. Isn't that the message of Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, apparently.
1: Let's get to 1978. And uh, I don't know if we made this clear or not, but we, we, we go through the Star Wars year by year, a visual history, updated and expanded edition. Although I'm pretty sure if you've got the old edition, it's, it's going to be a couple of years before we... Um, breakthrough to the other side of the expanded edition. they, they didn't add there wasn't like there wasn't like more news that came to hand in 1978 was there horse
0: No I think it just adds more pages to the end. Gotcha that's, that's, that's what I suspect
1: all right and also we should give a huge shout out to the sickos and our sickos for the people that are new to this uh, patreon show. They're the ones that have the book out and read along with us.
0: We're on page sixty-four for them.
1: See, in the in the non-expanded, that might there might be like an extra blank page or something.
0: Oh, I didn't think about that.
1: Either way, nineteen seventy-eight, and um, we start out. I can't re- find. The article for this, maybe this is all there is, but we have to start in with this one. It is a Mad Magazine cover with Darth Vader surrounded by R2, C-3PO, Chewbacca, Han, Luke, and Leia. But you guys, brace for this. Parts of Darth Vader's mask of form. And underneath is Alfred E. Newman.
0: Uh, I used to not. When I was a kid, I guess I didn't quite understand parody. So I got insulted by stuff like this. Dude. I'm with you. Really? I See, when I saw Spaceballs for the first time as a kid, my dad was like, you got to watch this. You'll think it's really funny. Didn't laugh once. I was like, "This is making fun of Star Wars. I don't like this. I don't get it." Took me a little while.
1: I remember reading like more so the opening spread of a movie. They would sort of establish every character. Do you know what I mean? It, it, they like normally on the second or the third and fourth pages they get into like a comic book strip, but on the first page generally it was a big splash. And all the characters were on there saying who they are and where they are in the movie. And because every one of those lines that the characters were saying had to be a joke, that some of them were, you know, for a, you know, a young boy that loves star Wars, a bit biting, right? A bit close to home.
0: Mm. -hmm.
1: And, it's very interesting, this phenomenon. And, and, you know, we're young kids. We haven't really, you know, as you said, you didn't really understand parody. But I, I do find that now, just with adults, about things that they love and, you know, because this is the area I'm in, Star Wars. Like, sometimes you'll make a joke, which I, I love to do. Annoyingly, it's my thing. (laughs) But people get, like, they don't sort of take it as a joke and they get offended. Like, I remember before we had the sequel trilogy to debate, like, the the, the prequel trilogy was, you know, still under a fair amount of fire. And a a lot of the fire quite tired, do you know what I mean? Like... Mm -hmm. You know, after 15 years, we get it. But, yeah, I would make a joke about something in there and, and people would be like, you're a prequel hater. And it's like, dude, Attack of the Clones, which is probably the the one I make the most fun of, is my favourite one and has some of my most favourite moments of, uh, of, of Star Wars in there. But, um, yeah, it's a weird phenomenon, that sort of... It's it, it's so close to home that
0: you sort of don't read the joke for what it is. Right. Right. And you know what I'm kind of looking forward to is years from now, right, when we have our sequel, a trilogy equivalent of the I Hate Sand line, where if you get what I'm saying, like now people seem to have fun with the whole I Hate Sand Instead of it being like, oh, that's terrible. Worst thing that ever happened in Star Wars. I hate sand. That scene's awful. Now you have people like getting jars of sand signed by Hayden Christensen and making funny memes about it and stuff. Like, I can't wait until we get to that point with the sequel trilogy where there's stuff that we're a little, you know, we're having fun with it, you know?
1: Totally. And I did hate that I hate sand line oh me too and like in the phantom edit they edit that out so you know that that's normally what i i I had been watching so i was glad it was gone but now in retrospect and after doing all these interviews and and going around the world and stuff and seeing the joy that people have gotten out of or the fun they've gotten out of Anakin hating sand, like I would, I wouldn't take that away for anything, except yeah. if it was something like good, like ten grand, I'd, i probably, yeah, easy. You could get rid of it for ten grand. I, that's, but still, that's ten thousand American dollars, right? So, uh, but yeah, I, 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 like, I wouldn't take it out of any future edition. Because it's it's turned into something that's so dope. Like it's so much fun. And listen, I, I've talked about this before. I went out to um, Yuma, Arizona
0: to go to the Sarlacc Pier. Sand sucks. <laughs> it does. I, I mean I get the sentiment.
1: Like that and because this is like
0: Tatooine sand.
1: Like OG Tatooine Sand. It is so fine. Like I was finding it in the joints of my sunglasses like six months after I went there. <laughs> so now I like when I watch that scene and he's going on about hating sand, I'm like going, Yeah, you tell him, man. Like <laughs> or or that meme of like, um, why are you booing? I'm right. <laughs> right, yeah. Which I don't, where does that even come from?
0: I'm not sure.
1: But, um, like I enjoyed a lot of the Mad Magazine, like takes, and I definitely, it was a must buy, do you know what I mean, if if it was a Star mm-hmm. Wars, you know, version. And then later on, I know in the 90s, when, I, this is hard for anyone to comprehend, there wasn't enough Star Wars stuff to buy.
0: Yeah, that's when it became, like, gold yeah. to find a Star Wars Mad magazine. Like, you'd hit up,
1: like, antique shops and those sort of second secondhand stores, collectible stores, and just, like, like, if you found, like, a Mad magazine Star Wars version, Star Wars cover, it was like, this is a good Saturday afternoon wasted. Great stuff. So, uh, a huge fan of uh, Mad Magazine, R.I.P. to uh, that. Obviously, not a fan enough.
0: Yeah, apparently not. Mm. Now, um,
1: after considering a number of potential directors for the next Star Wars movie, Lucas enlists Irving Kirshner in the early 1978. Kershner is 54 years old and has never directed a big visual effects movie. But Lucas admires his work, especially Raid on Entebbe. You with me on that pronunciation, horse?
0: I think that's pretty close.
1: Oh, whew, first time for everything. Which was produced in a short time frame. And then we've got a quote from Mr. Kirshner, I told George the only way I'd do the film is if I felt I could top the first one. He laughed and said, that's why he wanted me to do it. That is a you, very Hollywood quote. Like, I could feel it, like this is a, a reenactment film and one of the characters. Let's make George Lucas is Tom Cruise. Reckon Tom Cruise could star in Lucas?
0: I guess, man. They are both into aliens. I don't know.
1: You seem down on Mr. Cruz. He blocked me on Twitter,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> guys. Let's just sidebar for a second. I'm going to take you to podcasting school. As an interviewer, I I listened to the inflection in Hawes's voice when he reacted to Tom Cruise. Immediately, I know I've got to dig deeper. There's something (laughs) here. And we have uncovered that. How, what did you do? How did you cross the line? Were you not staying in cruise control on Twitter?
0: <laughs> um, so this has been a couple of years ago. Johnny was trying to get Tom Cruise to follow Rogue One on um, Twitter or something like that he was tagging me and Tom Cruise and some sort of tweet. And so I responded and I was like, Tom Cruise is never going to see this tweet. Tom Cruise's people are never going to see this tweet. So I responded with something like, Oh no, man, I think he's too busy with Xenu or something like that. Right. And, uh, moments later I was blocked.
1: I think that's fair enough.
0: I, I, yeah, su- fair enough. I support Tom in this blocking. Well, I'm glad to see you have Tom Cruise's back over me, buddy. I'm, I thought we were friends.
1: It's not about that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Team Tom. I'm Team Whores, but I'm I'm, I'm a rational member of Team Whores,
0: and I see. I see.
1: Despite whatever you think about his religion, you, you did you did defend it. So I could see from Tom Cruise's point of view, he's on set. Maybe he's like in his jet flying, and he's he's gotten so good at in preparation for Maverick, Top Gun two, that he's he's checking Twitter. He's up in his maybe he got blocked at Mark three. <laughs> That's why it happened so fast.
0: <laughs> no good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway,
1: January of 1978, a, uh, a landmark bit of Star Wars fandom. Would you like to take us into it?
0: Uh, yeah. Speaking of parody, we have Hardware Wars. Hardware's Wars is released. Written, produced, and directed by Ernie Fossilus. Yes. The 13-minute Star Wars parody features spaceships that are obviously household appliances dangling from strings. Filmed in four days at a production cost of about $8,000 and promoted with the tagline, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll kiss those three bucks goodbye. Hard War Wars proceeds to gross
1: $500,000. <clears> that's a very profitable film. It sure is. I'm going to, oh my God, that's that's 5000 American nineteen seventy eight dollars as well. Do your do your little trick. Go on, horse. Okay. Do your trick.
0: That, I've got the. I already had the calculator pulled up, so let me pull it up. Do your trick with the hands. <laughs> do the, do the, do the magic hand thing, baby. <laughs> All right. All righty, let's get this put in. Five hundred thousand in nineteen seventy-eight would be approximately I have a feeling this is gonna be huge. One million nine hundred and sixty thousand five hundred and ninety five dollars.
1: Can afford to buy your mum a new iron after wrecking hers. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. A sweet one. But that um that eight thousand to half a million, that's a that is a sweet profit
0: margin. Yeah, but, that's like Blair Witch money. Oh my god, Bobby I would be losing his mind. Ooh, so in in retrospect, like he spent in today's dollars. Thirty one thousand dollars making that movie though. Oof. That is quite the investment. The Kevin Smith of his time. Yeah, I wonder how many credit cards he maxed out. American
1: nineteen seventy eight
0: credit cards. They all would have had to have gone through that machine, that ch ch Yeah with like the carbon paper.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um
1: I haven't seen Hardware Wars for oof.
0: Couple of decades yeah i I rented it, and it had to be late 90s, early 2000s, and I feel like they re-released it on VHS probably around the time of the prequels or maybe even the special edition. there was a
1: hardware Wars special edition
0: uh, that must have been what I watched then mm-hmm. uh, and that's I saw it then, and I, I don't think I've seen it since and of course, it
1: gets uh, a <laughs> shout out in the last Jedi. It sure does. When it's Finn and Rose on the first order or Snoke Super Star Destroyer, and there's an iron that comes down, that is uh, a sweet shout out. Alrighty, early bird delivers. Toy buyers who took advantage of Kenner's early bird mail-in offer to receive the first four action figures: Luke Skywalker with double telescoping lightsaber. Ching, first four. Oh, sorry. Uh, Princess Leia Chewbacca with a greenish-colored bowcaster and R two D two, along with plastic foot pegs that allow the figures to stand on the cardboard stage that came with the Early Bird package. First up, pause Very annoying that the first four came with foot pegs. They knew there was an issue. Yeah, right. Where's my Where's my foot peg with Endor Leia. She doesn't stand at all. Tiny little feet. Tiny um, little feet.
0: So I know you, uh, you have your full Star Wars vintage run, right? Mm-hmm. Including one of the more sought-after figures of Vinyl Cape Jawa, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have a double telescoping, Luke? Nah. Man, That I saw just the lightsaber sell for ridiculous money on a Facebook group one time. Yeah. I,
1: I think it's sick. So people don't know on the Kenner Luke Skywalker or the Kenner Jedi or the force wielders, uh, the first run, there was like a, a lightsaber that went into their arm up to their elbow. And there was a little hook that you could push down and it looked like they were igniting the lightsaber. If you had a very good imagination in the early 80s. Um, but on the first ones, the, the little point would extend out further. It telescoped in, but then Kenna worked out it was too costly and too fiddly to do that every time. So they just molded it into one piece. Now, I, I, I think those variants are amazing. And I, I love seeing them in their little plastic boxes that you see mm-hmm. sometimes. At toy fairs and, and at Star Wars celebration, etc. But the the cost of them to get for my collection doesn't equate to joy received. No. Once it's in my no. cabinet, it,
0: it equates to like maybe a insurance policy if something ever happens to me. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I you know I'm slowly trying to acquire a full vintage run. I am very far away from having it completed, but at no point am I considering uh, a double telescoping lightsaber Luke Skywalker, and to be honest, probably not even a vinyl cape Jawa, because those are crazy expensive now, too.
1: Yeah, well the vinyl cape Jawa, I sort of fell into Nice. Like, I bought a, a giant lot of vintage toys and it was oh. it was in there That is the dream That's the dream That that whole purchase Was the dream So It was someone That lived I lived in Melbourne in the city And where I grew up Rosebud's like an hour and a half away And Just through coincidence Someone on eBay Listed this giant lot of vintage figures And boxes. And they lived in Rosebud. And they it, there was no shipping. But do you know what I mean? So, that, like, he, he wouldn't, you had to pick it up.
0: Oh, local pickup only.
1: Yeah. So that severely limited the amount of people that were going to bid on it down to one person.
0: <laughs>
1: and I think I paid maybe like $700. And I didn't have $700. So I, I I borrowed it off my brother and I said, I'll have it back in like three weeks. And so I, I and oh, it was like around Easter or something and he was away after I'd won it. And I thought I was going to get, I was like, this is too good to be true. He's not going to sell. Like, like this isn't going to happen. And, then, uh, like, like a few days after the weekend, he got in touch. City, said, yeah, I'll come down and get it. So I drove down, like, like that day, because I was like, I can't, like, I need to get this out of my system. Right. And I drove down, and it would have been, like, the only time I'd ever, like, driven down and not gone to my parents' house. Because I was just, like, on this mission to get there as <laughs> soon as possible. And then once I had the car of, like toys I had to get him back home immediately So like I made sure like the car was like Fueled up and like I had like a Like a coffee and stuff So I wouldn't have to stop On the way home <laughs> And so like I only had Like mini rigs when I was little I didn't have any of the vehicles So this is yeah. like this dude That's living on the other side of the tracks In Rosebud We didn't even have train tracks in the town But He's just living the good life It's like richie Rich he had ever he had like Falcon he had like three tie fighters like uh cloud car uh x wing y wing b wing I think and he had all these figures with the weapons and he had most of the boxes and I'm like hey how. Like, how do you still have, just out of interest, how do you still have the boxes? And he's like, oh, every day when I'd finish playing, I'd put them back in the boxes. And I'm like, man, the rich in Rosebud are just leading a totally different life. Like, this dude's eating Snickers with a knife and fork.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but like... Man, did that pay off a few years later for you. So when you saw the listing, did you see the Vinyl Cape Jawa in there? No. Oh, so you had no idea. Well, okay, here's another question. So I'm fairly new, I would say, within the last four to five years of getting the vintage figures, right? Um, When did Vinyl Cape Jawa, was it a thing back then already? That it was a rare figure to find, or is that a more recent discovery? I guess I don't really know. Well, in my mind,
1: and I, I think, you know, like the mainstream Star Wars collector, it only became a thing in like 1993 when the concept screen to collectible Steve Sandsweeple came out. That makes
0: a lot of sense.
1: Because I had no knowledge of that, or even if. Like, like my friend would say, oh, my one had a, a, had a plastic cape, like Ben Kenobi's. You just go, oh yeah. Right. Like you wouldn't, like I, I, like back then, back before reading that book, I think I didn't even grasp that some figures were harder to find than others. Right. Like, yeah, it just had, I had no idea. And because I was so young when you could actually get them in the shops, like, I I can't remember, like, what was on the racks or what wasn't. Like, if Darth Vader was hard to find or, you know, whatever. And especially, like, Yak Face and stuff. No idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't know about Yak Face forever. And I would have never. Because when I was a kid and wanted Star Wars toys, they were a long gone. Like... You could go to like a discount store and maybe find pegs full of like Rancor Keepers and 8D8, but no good characters. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, And so a Darth Vader was just as rare as a yak face to me back then as a kid.
1: I've told this on the podcast before, but there is this infamous story Nineteen eighty-six or seven, the the Royal Easter Show, like the the fair, I guess the county fair, of like in Australia, with rides and all that sort of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Star Wars show bag, five bucks. You got assorted things, but you got five carded, coined Power of the Force figures.
0: Yeah, last 17 figures, right? Mm-hmm. Like,
1: oh, And just, just general, because they did other ones that had uh, the coins as well. Mm-hmm. One buck a piece.
0: Oh my God. Like, enough to, like if if you were a kid that just managed to get a bunch of those bags and had those in your attic, you're talking like retirement money. If you're, like a, Pop-up Sabre R2. Josh Chapman has a pop-up Sabre R2 from one of those. That's a very expensive figure now.
1: He's still got it from the show bag.
0: Yeah, it's missing the Sabre. Oh, so it's, it's open. Sab- yeah, it is. It's not, oh man, if it was carded.
1: Yeah, because I always, I, whenever I like a kid from that time still has carded figures from that time. What's up, man? Yeah, for real. Like, let's do a background check on this dude. Because something's not right. Something not right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I can understand if, like, because I remember asking for Star Wars toys when I was a kid for, like, Christmas, right? And somehow my parents found me, like, the Jabba playset with his, his dais and, like, his hookah and stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the TIE fighters, and I got two 8D8s for Christmas. That's the um, the white sort of skeletal looking droid. Mm-hmm. So I could see like maybe if you were a kid and you got two of those for Christmas, you're like, well, I'm going to open one of these. I don't need two. Um, I'm not going to open the other one, but like to have a character like, say, a Luke Skywalker or a... a R2-D2 and keep that thing on the card as a kid? Unimaginable.
1: There has to be some sort of thing like Dad gave it to me and then he got in the car and a
0: mafia-planted bomb went off. Uh, and I saved it to remember my dad by.
1: Yeah, well it got, it, it got melted to my wrist so I
0: could never open it. That's the Godfather Part 4 plot line right there. Toy!
1: Let's hit February with Brackett's first draft. February 17th, Lee Brackett completes her first draft of a script titled Star Wars sequel from the adventures of Luke Skywalker. Although her script is superficially faithful to Lucas's story treatment, Lucas finds the dialogue and actions of the characters inconsistent with his vision of Star Wars. This is the problem right here that has plagued star wars for 43 years
0: yep yep i wonder if there were people like in their living rooms angrily screaming that they should fire george lucas because he fired uh lee Brackett when she after she got let go after her first draft i think she was i don't even know i don't know how the timeline lands uh, lines up but she was very ill when she was writing this, and passed away not shortly after, so I don't even know if it was a matter of her losing the job, as in they just had to get somebody else because she passed away.
1: That I believe is the case. Yeah, because uh, sadly she died of cancer on March 18th. So that's only, you know, a uh, a month later. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a month and a day later. Um but yeah, it is interesting that like it's all like from the very like from the first time the story was going to continue after Star Wars, there was like George Lucas going, Not my Luke Skywalker.
0: Yep. Have you ever uh, read into or read – I don't know that the full thing is available, but I've read little pieces here and there, maybe in the making of Empire Strikes Back book. Um, There's some interesting stuff in there, like Luke having a sister whose name is Nellith. There's like this psychedelic sequence where Luke ascends into space and he's surrounded by stars and stuff, which they kind of – I think, did a play on in Rebels at one point. Ah.
1: That, um... That Rebels. Helping the planet with all that recycling. Yep. (laughs) Um... Yeah, it's... Like, when you think from that first point, like there was such a broad scope for making it far more fantastic than Star Wars, like in a fantasy sense with like floating up to the heavens and all that.
0: Yeah. Um, Really leaning into the fantasy elements
1: or grounding it, you know, like Battlestar Galactica modern style where, you know, everything's like hyper real and and centered. Although Battlestar Galactica does uh, get pretty fantastic at times. Uh, towards the end, but um, yeah, it, it's weird how it could have gone off in all these different you know
0: directions.
1: And that um, that Star Wars the Annotated uh, Screenplays book have you checked that out? I have, which I, I think now is worth quite a, a couple hundred bucks or something.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, it's a pretty expensive book. I'm surprised they haven't reprinted that because it is so saw it after
1: yeah you would think i don't know if they just it's not worth i I always wonder is there someone there deciding it's like like the the dust this will kick up isn't worth the money we're gonna make
0: oh you mean by by people that are mad that their original printings lose value because there's a reprint no just in the storyline and stuff Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha um,
1: Yeah, like You know, all, all that's obviously done and done But, you know they, they, They're never doing one of that for uh, The sequel trilogy
0: <laughs> No, maybe when we're Very old, you know I don't even, I think by then It like, it, it won't be worth the money Yeah
1: Uh, Grammy Awards February 23rd composer John Williams wins three Grammy Awards for the Star Wars soundtrack Best Instrumental Composition for main title from Star Wars Best Original Score written for a motion picture or a television special and Best Pop Instrumental Performance and uh, Young Johnny soaking it up in 78 at the Grammys
0: He almost doesn't have enough hands to hold all the Grammys.
1: Well, finally, they're doing something useful. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that stick waving. That's just a conspiracy (laughs) pushed by the Um, government.
0: Hey, I I guess this is kind of neat. This lines up this week. He got nominated for, I think it was his... Fifty-second? No, not Grammy. It was an Oscar. My bad. It's not the Grammy. It was his 52nd Oscar he was nominated for. the Star week. Wars? Yep. Oh, wow. February 27th, if you will. Lucasfilm incorporates a new division, Black Falcon Limited, to handle the company's new licensing endeavors during the period that certain merchandising rights Revert to Lucasfilm from Fox. Black Falcon. I can't believe Hasbro didn't make that in
1: 2006.
0: Do you remember um, one time on your call-in show? Uh, It was one of the first times Robbo called in. Not the very first one, but very early on. And I was a guest, and he called in and was cracking jokes about in the eu how after chewbacca dies han solo paints the millennium falcon black and mourning and i just like i remember that and then i remember just laughing and laughing and laughing
1: does it stay black
0: i think he paints it back eventually That is so EU. It is. It definitely is.
1: Sue. So, um, oh, do you want to do this
0: one? March. The first 12 Star Wars figures go on sale in stores. Except for the shorter characters like R2-D2, the poseable figures are 9.5 centimeters, 3.4, 3.75 inches tall, Substantially smaller than G.I. Joe and Mego figures By year's end Kenner sells more than 42 million Star Wars toys By year's end By year's Nine months they sell 42 million Star Wars toys
1: I don't know Is, Is that right? Doesn't that's seem like. Like that. That's a lot of toys. Like if you've got a. Th- 42 million, right? And like what was a Star Wars figure in America? Like a buck? Two bucks? I don't know. That's a lot. Like just to make.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, think back to all these pictures you see, like, that people will post occasionally of, like, this is what a department store looked like in 1979, and it is two aisles filled with Star Wars toys. You know what I mean? Stacks and stacks of vehicles and pegs filled with figures. They definitely manufactured enough to to sell that many. But Dang. Hey.
1: Yeah, but even, like, 1979 seems like it would be more in swing. But I guess they had, you know, over six months to um, get them going. But that is is staggering.
0: Um, Yeah, and I did a little bit of math. So let's just say hypothetically, obviously this wasn't the case, but hypothetically, everybody that bought a Star Wars figure bought the entire first wave, all 12 figures. That means they would have like 3.5 million people would have had to buy all 12 figures. So when you sort of put it in that doesn't seem that unlikely, right? Uh, I'm more in the, that
1: they actually made that many. (coughs) That's what I'm impressed about. Oh, I gotcha. They were just pumping them out. I, I, I don't think they did this for the, the action figures. But there are some amazing photos of people in Ohio, like putting like X-Wing fighters in boxes.
0: Yes. You can see, uh, some footage of it on, uh, either the toys that made us or plastic galaxy galaxy of plastic. There's like a whole two hour documentary about vintage star Wars toys. Um, and one of those has, like, video footage of the Kenner factory assembling, putting X-Wings, uh, Millennium Falcons, all that kind of stuff in the box.
1: Now, let's talk about the elephant in the root First 12 figures. What are you
0: doing in there, Death Squad Commander?
1: What are you cool. doing
0: in there? I guess you got to round out the wave somehow. That is a good question. And it, I, I, what I like about this is uh, a couple years ago when Hasbro were doing their 40th anniversary Black Series set, which were, you know, like the six inch figures on the retro style cards, they had to make a Death Star Command or Death Squad Commander. They
1: were forced into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were forced into it, knowing that that is way down on the list of figures they probably wanted to produce.
1: Could you take off the helmet on the Black Series?
0: I don't know. I've never taken him out of package.
1: Uh, maybe he's got, he's got a
0: chin-strap screen printed on. <laughs> maybe. But yeah. I'm looking at this. Who would you replace him with, though? Like maybe R5-D4, get another droid in there. I mean, there's definitely figures from A New Hope that I like better, but I'm just kind of trying to think of who you would replace the Death Squad commander with.
1: Wow, I'm thinking outside the box here, horse. To combat the stormtroopers,
0: I'd be mm-hmm. suiting
1: up a couple of rebel troopers.
0: See, that is the way to go. That is the way to go. I you know what who I like if we're talking figures that were actually produced, I'd go X-wing pilot Luke Skywalker. Would be the one that sold the best. I'll give you that.
1: Out of the ones you could add. Yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, either the Fleet Trooper or Tarkin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, two famously unproduced Star Wars figures. Yeah, they just...
1: They slip through the gap. It's like when there's like a Hall of Fame and, and someone really deserving. They just miss out because of a voting. The Like the ballot was too loaded that week or that year.
0: Yeah, and, and no Stormtrooper Han. I would say those are the three biggest, right? Rebellion Fleet Trooper, Stormtrooper Han, and Tarkin. Yep.
1: Yep. I'm searching through my brain now.
0: Because I always see people do like custom vintage style sand troopers, and while they look cool, like I don't know that you necessarily need a sand trooper when you have the standard stormtrooper.
1: Um, uh, sand trooper could be fourth.
0: Yeah, I mean he he's up there, and then like you know I know a lot of people would say like oh what about Wedge or Porkins and. You know the Luke Skywalker X-wing figure is so nondescript and appears to have black hair anyway that like he could just easily sub for Wedge if you really wanted him to.
1: My first figure.
0: Yeah, and he's got his head glued back on. I know the history.
1: The yeah, but like Wedge and Porkins, I don't. Know, I, I I was so young, but I, I didn't really get into them till like way later.
0: Yeah, they seem like a late to the party. Obsession for people, right?
1: Yeah, and I just sort of getting around in your head all the different characters. That mm-hmm. some, you know, there is like that guy is called Wedge, and he talks a couple of times. But like, they were all different people to me. I felt like, right. except for Hawkins. Right. But I remember talking about um, Star Wars parody in that before. That once. My brother and I realized we could sort of make fun of like the stay on target, stay on target, and then mm-hmm. they blow up. Like, that just opened a new world of entertainment to me. <laughs> Uh, A second mail away Kenner offers a plastic action collector's stand That is more substantial than the cardboard stand That was included in the early bird package The stand has miniature turntables For the first 12 Star Wars figures I
0: love this thing I want one so bad I hate it You hate it? Okay because they didn't make them for the rest of the figures. That would be cool. I mean, obviously. But I don't know. I, I I think part of the appeal for it for me is it was one of those things that I didn't know about for the longest time. And then when I finally discovered it was in a, my local comic book shop where, where I grew up. And I would later in like middle school, maybe going into high school, they would occasionally have – Star Wars figures for sale like old, you know, the vintage ones. And it was kind of a crapshoot of whether they'd be complete or like I bought a Bespin Luke whose lightsaber had clearly been chewed on like the end of it. At least he had it. Yep. And they had one of these stands in there without the backdrop. It was just the the gray plastic with the sticker on front.
1: They were a blight of vintage stores
0: in the early 90s. Oh, really?
1: Oh, yeah. And, and like sometimes one of the little figure stands will be missing. Never had the backdrop. And ha- and they've got these stickers along the front that have the names of all the characters, which is pretty fantastic. But they'd always be ripped off and stuff and just be like, ugh. And,
0: or not put on straight. Like even if you look at the picture in the example, that sticker is not put on well. Apart. Awful.
1: Uh, Then
0: we had a
1: uh, a landmark (laughs) publication, March 1st. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Delray publishes Splinter of the Mind's Eye, a novel by Alan Dean Foster, based on story discussions with Lucas. Written while Star Wars was still in production, Splinter features Luke, Leia, C-3PO, and R2-D2 in an adventure that leads to a devastating encounter with Darth Vader, on a jungle world. The story also reveals that Luke can swim, but Leia cannot. Okay. (laughs) Starlog magazine notes that Foster's Star Wars contract allows Splinter to be filmed in the future, perhaps as one of the nine planned sequels to the original film, Notably absent from the story is Han Solo because Harrison Ford, unlike Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, is not already contracted for sequels. Oh, what a blunder. Um, that that would not cut it in today's day and age. Luke, the uh, the farm boy on the desert planet being able to swim and Princess Leia, who grew up on the, the lush... Um, planet uh, of Alderaan not being able to swim. That, that, would, uh, that would raise a few articles on, on screen rants.
0: Yes, it would. And I would have family members at functions being like, isn't it weird? Uh, hold on, can I ask you a question? Isn't it weird that uh, Luke can swim but Leia can't?
1: I'll give you my Force Awakens version of that. It's when they meet Han Solo, and Ray says, "Like Finn says, he's the rebel hero," and then Ray says, "The great smuggler, or something like that." And it's sort of, it should have been the other way around.
0: Oh, you think so? Like they? Well, okay. Like okay. I, I feel
1: like the characters would have appreciated the other thing other person was saying with their background
0: because why would finn who's been raised since he was a very young kid in the first order view han solo as a hero exactly. you would think the the first order would be like nah man han solo sucks and
1: the first order had a bit of an anti-solo bias I yeah,
0: yeah I, I never really thought about that i have I think uh splinter of the mind's eye also uh if I'm not mistaken the first sort of appearance of the term kyber crystal
1: ah uh, yeah
0: it's not necessarily well it's not at all in the same context as like the crystal that powers a lightsaber it's like a a magical macguffin it's what they're going after in this book
1: and isn't there some awkward text about Luke and Leia.
0: Oh yeah, there's a part where Luke thinks he's going to die, so he professes his love to Leia. Yes.
1: I had in my head, I knew there was something like that and I haven't read it for, you know, decade. And in my head, I had filed it under like Luke checks out Leia's ass or something like that.
0: Oh, it might be that as well, but I think there is a moment where he professes his love to her.
1: I think, like, I don't, I, I don't, I could be tripping. There's something like that. He sort of takes in her beauty, or, or there's something, mm-hmm. maybe, or maybe not. Memories are a, um, you know, they're, they're a malleable thing from a certain point of view. Hey, let's turn the page, horse.
0: Okay. And
1: hit up um, this variant that we've been talking about vinyl cape oh, Jawa. There he is. In April of 1978. Kenner releases a Jawa action figure with a vinyl cape, but later decides that the diminutive Jawa will have more sales appeal with a cloth cape. So, RIP to Vinyl Cape Jawa in April of
0: 78. Man, look at that carded version right there. That is expensive. I
1: I don't know. Like, you know, you sort of think, I know this is right up your alley horse. You know, you win the lottery or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what would I get? What would I go buy? And money changes everything. I, I right. can't imagine the the, the, the the ridiculous freedoms of having a million dollars. But I'd like to think that I'd never spend money on a vinyl cake jar or on a cart. Like that, I, I would be so
0: flippant with money that I'd be like, that's worth 10 grand. Let's get it. You know, when you think about winning the lottery, there is some Star Wars stuff that comes into my brain that would be where I'm like, yeah, that would be one of the things I would get. And you're right. Vinyl Cape Jawa never enters the equation. Like, I want a life-size Han and Carbonite. That's a good use of the license. I want a Star Wars pinball machine. Oh. Which version? Want, Which version? Which version? Which uh, version? I think I just want Star Wars. Like the one, the one I remember playing most as the kid, as a kid, is the one that had the X wing in the play playfield. Might have been a special edition Star Wars table, even.
1: Did it have um, the Death Star? Death Star
0: rotating? Yes. Yeah, and it went
1: shoot the Death Star, shoot the Death yes, Star.
0: That's the one. That is one of the greatest pinballs of all time. I really enjoy the new Stern Star Wars pinball. There's a restaurant here in town that has one. And every time I suggest going in there, Jesse's like, you just want to play Star Wars pinball. Um, it's really good, but I think I would have to go with, with that one we're talking about. And I think the other one would be the big enclosed Atari Star Wars arcade machine that you actually sit down in. Um it's it's pretty rare compared to the just regular stand-up arcade machine, but it's very cool and the artwork on the outside is awesome. Yeah, I I
1: just don't think I'd get
0: in it much. <clears throat> I you know, that's probably what would happen. Um but every time like we went to Gatlinburg in the fall and went to like an arcade and pinball museum that had all kinds of arcade machines and I think I remember balls. getting
1: the delirious text messages about it.
0: Yeah um and they had one of those and it was fun I did enjoy it but you know I also had so many options of other stuff to check out but I didn't spend as much time in it as even I would have thought I I would have
1: yeah the uh, pinball has a more timeless
0: appeal to me and than they had video game some old pinballs in there. Ah. You can burn your
1: old pinball (laughs) swords. If 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 it's not in the multi ball era, check yeah. Nice knowing.
0: Yeah, it was just kind of neat to see like they had a an incredible Hulk pinball that I think was from the sixties or the seventies.
1: Some of those old ones. You can tweet between shots.
0: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! They're slow.
1: Just like you're watching uh, the ball, it's like,
0: come on. <laughs> but yeah, it was it, you know just uh, that, and they they had one that you couldn't play that was a mechanical pinball machine, like before they were electric. Now that was pretty cool to see. Granted, like I said, it was it was roped off, so you. So you couldn't mess with it, but it was kind of neat to see
1: interesting. what did you pl- like pay to use it like a loaf of bread or
0: oh, I think it was uh a shilling yeah. a gold to bloom
1: hey, uh, you know how we're talking about parody and all that sort of stuff before? yeah, this is an interesting thing that happened on my Twitter feed today? I posted this article where is it? Oh, there it is. Um, it's from ClickHole.
0: Right, which is a parody site.
1: Yeah, and it's major disappointment. J.J. Abrams has revealed that the Finn and, and Poe are both gay, but don't really vibe with each other romantically. Right. And the article, when you read it, it's like this parody interview where they're like, yeah, they're both gay, they're just not into each other. And every comment I've gotten on it <laughs> is like why couldn't we have found that out in the movie?
0: <laughs> oh, I think we can honestly blame some of that on Chris Terrio. <laughs> it's uh
1: but that that's actually When I used to write the midichlorian count, which was sort of like a, you know, an onion of Star Wars, which I've I've been thinking about a little bit lately. But um, when people would click on it and think it was real, but it clearly to someone else wasn't, that, that was the most delicious
0: I mean, that's got to be part of the whole point of a site like that or The Onion or something, right?
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes people get it wrong and it's just – like it's not funny. It's just bad. mm
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like,
1: like there's no, like, jokes in the way they've written it out. Like, do you know what I mean?
0: Right, right.
1: Um. But yeah, very, very interesting. Okay, let's get to the uh, the 50th Academy Awards tours. Do you remember this one?
0: Uh, I do. I was sitting in front of the TV with a nice soda. Um, <laughs> no, I do not. I do not. I wasn't born yet.
1: April 3rd, Star Wars wins six Oscars at the 50th Academy Awards, which is host- hosted by Bob Hope. You think they got him in especially? What's that? Like, just so it like it matched with The New Hope.
0: Oh. Hey, did it have the subtitle A New Hope at this point? Don't bring facts
1: into it, whores.
0: Okay. Then, yes, I think that's exactly why they did it.
1: Yeah, I don't think uh, it had been re-released with The New... I think that was, like, a oh, lot closer to Empire. Maybe. Maybe it'll come up. I'm sure. It, you you got to think that's
0: documented. You would hope that'd be a fairly big oversight, if not.
1: It's like that, um, like when a film's coming. Oh, they have to. They have to. I was always. Mm-hmm. He has to ignite the green lightsaber. Has to. How could they not, horse? Uh, well. Ta da! <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean. Kind of. They kind of did. It's always, it's it's like always the bridesmaid. Yeah. Always the flashback. I honestly, uh, I mean, this is a conversation. This is a story for another time, as Maz Kanata said, which means we won't pick this up again. But um, That's a
1: reference from those films we watch.
0: Yes, it is. Sick. I, I still can't believe we didn't get a main green lightsaber in these movies at some point.
1: I'm way ahead of you.
0: Yeah, I figured as much. I can't remember.
1: It was for The Last Jedi. I remember Jason telling me, I don't think he, like, I don't think he uses the green lightsaber. And just being, that's impossible.
0: (laughs) That's not true. That's impossible. But I dealt with it. Yeah and then when you did get to see it in the last Jedi it was definitely not in the context you wanted. No.
1: That's like when I interviewed Ryan Johnson at Celebration, Ryan, Sweet Neighbor, Ryan. <laughs> right? And I I in my very hyped up question to him. I was like saying, "You know, we can't wait to see Luke Skywalker. It wasn't in the last film." It's going to be back. The Jedi Master. Ignite the green. And I like when I rewatch it, I just
0: watch his the little twitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, this poor bastard. Oh, uh-oh. This guy's YouTube
1: subscriptions are going to be sky high
0: in a year. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I can't wait. I wonder what his comment section are going to be like.
1: I Because um, that was like when I saw it. And I I loved it, but the thing I most wanted to happen in it. So I deducted that everyone's going to love it.
0: Oh, Uh, I remember coming out of The Last Jedi and being in the car with Jesse and Will on the ride home and being like, this is going to be loved. Like, I can't believe they did this, and I can't believe how much people are... The future of Star Wars is so bright. Three movies in a row that people are really going to dig. The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi. Everything's going to be so awesome.
1: Yeah, it was quite a... um, Because I saw it on Monday night at Disney. Then that night I flew to Australia. So I was on a plane. For 15 hours and then we had the premiere in Australia and like that second viewing I was just like this is the best this is so good but because it was other people's first viewing like you know a lot of people loved it my, my, my favorite person to love it that night was Hugh Fleming just love Hugh Fleming and Right. I, 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 I like it when he's happy with Star Wars which is fleeting but yeah I remember at the live show little Jacob from Sydney that had come down with his dad and you know he'd always call into the call-in shows and you know it was just an ace little dude to talk about stuff and it was like always fascinating to get his take from like like a little kid experiencing like The Force Awakens for the first time but he wasn't that into it
0: Oh, okay. And there was, it
1: was interesting to have already seen it and taken it in. And then, yeah, you because know, the first time I saw Leia like fight through space, I was like, what is happening?
0: Yeah, for sure. And
1: so the second time I was like, ah, okay, okay, okay. It's, it's, it's like, like the first time when she went through space and then moved her fingers and stuff, I was like, this is the weirdest dream I've ever had. <laughs> it it, it did, did not seem... And this is what they were all talking about in 978, everyone. But, um, yeah, I remember him not liking it. And, like, sort of not like... He sort of... It wasn't clicking with him, the Luke Skywalker storyline. So I gotcha. So, it's... Um, I didn't know how we got started talking about that. But... It was very. Um, I remember it being very sobering that he wasn't super into it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, it's interesting thinking about it. Like when I was a kid, I would I would prefer to watch Return of the Jedi over A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back. Return of the Jedi, when I was a kid, was my absolute favorite. Like if I could watch one Star Wars movie, it would be Return of the Jedi. And then as I got older and sort of like, I don't know, understood or paid closer attention to Empire, it eventually started to become my my favorite. So I wonder if we will have similar things happen with younger kids that maybe didn't really click with The Last Jedi as they get older. Or is the well too po- poisoned and are they on YouTube constantly hear people – rant about it and it won't ever change their mind i don't know
1: yeah there there (laughs) is a lot of power in that like with youtube and that now that like you've got like like you're so impressionable then yeah so like john i mean like people's like some people that you know their complaints about stuff I don't know, they're sort of in this weird moderate but extreme point of view that sort mm-hmm. of ignores. And, and, and so I could easily see you could watch that and go, oh, yeah, it all does suck. And that person was disrespectful to the fans because you're just taking in. Like, I remember that with the Star Wars podcast I listened to and they badmouth someone pretty continually. And I was just like, oh, yeah, they suck. And then later on, I was like, oh, no, that was just their point of view. Right. And it was skewed for various reasons. But anyway, we are talking about the
0: Academy Awards. I have no idea how we started talking about that. Do you know? I don't. I can't even remember how it started.
1: Okay. So Star Wars Academy Award nominations. Uh, best pitcher, Gary Kurtz and George Lucas, which he did not win. Best director, George Lucas, which he did not win. Best supporting actor, Alec Guinness, which he did not win. It gets better, you guys. Just just hold tight. Best original screenplay, George Lucas, he did not win. Best music, original score, John Williams. We have a winner. Best editing, Marsha Lucas, Paul Hirsch, and Richard Chu have a winner. Uh, another winner with Best Visual Effects, John Steers, John Dykstra, Richard Edland, Grant McCune and Robert Balakak. Best Costume Design for John Molo, Best Art Direction, John Barry, these are all winners, Best Sound, Don McDougall, Ray West, Bob Minkler and Derek Ball, also a winner. Those names, those Best Sound names, I I'm sure I've read them before, but they are they are new to my current memory.
0: They are to me, too. Like, if, if you asked me, hey, who won the Academy Award for Best Sound in 1978 for Star Wars? I'd be like, oh, Ben Burtt? Hell yeah.
1: Where is Ben Burtt?
0: I don't know, man. He's still employed, but it seems like Matthew Wood you know, who does the voice of, like, uh, General Grievous and the the battle droids. It seems like he is the main sound design guy now.
1: It's interesting because, you know, they do so much with the sequel trilogy, this is tradition. You know, like John Williams and Anthony Daniels, um, you know, down to, you know, Admiral Ackbar and Niam Nam, uh, you know they've got all this. Oh, we've got to have them back, right? But in that, yeah, Ben Burt. like, like, like in like an alternate uh, universe, he could have come in for special sound effects. Like, ah, oh, you know, we could be watching a documentary about which which sound effects Ben Burt did.
0: Well, you know what's interesting? I was I was looking at it right here on his Wikipedia page, and he's not credited past anything after uh the force awakens. So he is credited on the force awakens. Yeah, but nothing else. What did he do? It says that he was I hate these tables that they do where it's like the co- color coded he was a sound designer. Okay.
1: So, uh, I'm trying to remember who won that
0: year. Was it Woody Allen? It was. Was it Annie Hall? It was. Hawes? Yes, sir.
1: I've got another sweet name drop. Uh oh, okay. Leonard Moulton once chastised me for saying that Annie Hall stole the Oscar
0: from Star Wars. <laughs> Man. Leonard Moulton, those Star Wars VHSs. He put me in my place. <laughs> and
1: it was so strange because normally I would like. Like, I'm trying to think of someone I debate with of a high, like, like a Kyle Newman. I'll debate with him and he'll like disagree with me and I'll just keep, or Robbo, and I'll just keep plowing. Right. No, I like my instant with Robbo, my my instant reaction is to disagree. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like it's like, do you know what I mean? If, like, you know how, like, when you're there's a multiple choice test and you don't, you're just like, I'm just going to fill in a random order and I'll get, like, you know, statistically 20% right. Right. I feel like if I just put disagree to all his, I, I reckon I'll get about 80% of my actual opinion right. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, I, I'll just plow through and, um, you know, try to uh you know, like press the issue. I remember Leonard Moulton, name drop. When he said that, I just like backed up and just went,
0: Alright. So what was it like uh, interviewing George Lucas? <laughs> Did he tell you much stuff about the prequels? <laughs> oh I remember in those Leonard Maltin interviews, the brief little mention of the prequels that George dropped got me so excited.
1: Dude, I would watch his brain during that bit
0: <laughs> and just
1: marvel that the information was in there. I, I, I just, I, I, I was, it was so exciting. That information is in that brain now and in a couple of years he'll tell us.
0: Do you remember sort of figuring out Roman numerals as a kid, right? And I remember like being like, okay, I kind of know what Roman numerals are. And then watching Star Wars and seeing that it said episode four and going to my dad and being like, hey, I have a question. There's three Star Wars movies, but the first one says it's episode four. And my dad's reaction was like, I knew this question was going to come one day. And he was like, I, I don't have an answer for you, son. It says episode four. I don't know that there's the other three. And I would go, like when we went to rent a movie, I would be like, do you guys have the other three Star Wars movies? Because that one says episode four. And they would maybe some, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. One time they gave me an Ewoks movie. Like it was the biggest mystery when I was like six or seven to me was that. Why does this say episode four? Where are the other three movies?
1: Well, didn't that um, Bill Cosby movie Leonard part six bomb partly because people like I haven't seen
0: Leonard's parts one. through. (coughs) That's probably part of why it bombed for sure. What do you
1: reckon, Annie Hall?
0: Oh, I'm with you. Annie Hall stole the the Oscar; did not deserve the win. Yes. I don't care what Leonard Walton says. Yes, 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 yes.
1: Location, location, horse, April fourth. Director Irvin Kirshner, producer Gary Kurtz, associate producer Robert Watts, production designer Norman Reynolds, executive producer George Lucas, and John Barry, who remains a consultant have a general meeting in Los Angeles. They review photographs of possible locations for the worlds of the sequel and agree that the treeless expanses of... Is it Fins Finesse? I believe that is. Fins in Norway are ideal for the ice planet Hoth. What a drag going out to Hoth. Yeah.
0: Ugh. Probably the least fun place to have to shoot a Star Wars scene. Man, sure, the desert was a bummer. But, man, Hoth seems like a real bummer. Dude, this is awesome. Hit me with May. Oh, continuity gaffe. May 23rd. (laughs) Marvel Star Wars number 15. Cover date, October reveals that Luke Skywalker can't swim, but Princess Leia can, which contradicts the novel Splinter of the Mind's Eye. In subsequent Star Wars comics, letter columns fan note the discrepancy, possibly the first true gaffe in the expanded universe.
1: I feel like writing a pretty disgruntled, passive-aggressive
0: tweet to Pablo Hidalgo right now. Yeah, he, he I dropped, would too, but, the ball. Uh, I got purged. <laughs> I got order 66. <laughs> that makes me want to go get like Star Wars 15 through 20 and just look through to the letter columns.
1: Yes.
0: I love Marvel Comics letters.
1: Uh, American Graffiti is re-released, this time reinstated with the three scenes that have been cut by Universal. Audiences finally get to hear Harrison Ford sing Some Enchanted Evening. The re-release earns $63 million at the box office.
0: Man. So it was George Lucas' first special edition.
1: He knew a marketing gimmick when he saw it. He sure did. And by that, like bring it on and it always annoys me when they do or make stuff that people want it's like this is another cash grab it's like no this is
0: satisfying my wants I mean I I don't if it's yeah I agree like I don't know why it's a bad thing if people want to see it you know what I mean like if if you can re-release American Graffiti and it makes $63 million, which, by the way, in today's money is $247 million, like, uh, I think that's a pretty good sign that people wanted to see it.
1: Mm. And when we talk about your classic collectibles, this one is uh, its up there in its genre, the birthday poster – Star Wars is not only one year old, but is still showing in many theaters. To commemorate the occasion, a special poster receives very limited distribution to selected theaters and media. West Hollywood's Cake and Art Bakery makes the custom cake that is photographed by Weldon Anderson. The poster includes all but one of the first 12 figures to be released. The Jawa is missing. So... If people don't know this poster, it is a Star Wars birthday cake with one candle. The 11 of the 12 Kenner action figures are standing around it. And it says, may the force be with you, one year old today. And the Death Squad commander bumps out the Jawa.
0: Terrible. What? Terrible.
1: (sighs) I don't know. I want to know if this... um, I'm just going to Google this now. West Hollywood cake and art bakery, because this is within a walk of my house. Oh my god.
0: It's still there, horse. Buddy, it's your birthday. I think you <laughs> need to get off this Skype call with me, run down there and have them make this cake for you tonight. Oh my stars.
1: Hollywood's edible art experience since 1976. For 43 years, cake and art has specialized in imaginative birthday cakes for Hollywood's biggest entertainment industries and celebrities, such as Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, Jimmy Kimmel, Bill Clinton, Britney Spears, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber. I, right. I'm done, whores. right. I'm boycotting. And many more.
0: Oh, you cannot put Star Wars in the many more category.
1: God, West Hollywood Ridiculous. cake and disrespect art gallery. I can't believe it. How do you Ridiculous. Not- mm. I'm I'm looking on their celebrity cakes. Oh, they did one for Buzz Aldrin. That was pretty cool. Oh, my God. They did one for Buzz Aldrin, and John Travolta was at the
0: presentation. What? (laughs) If I ran their website, the very first thing you'd see when you went to the website is a picture of this poster.
1: It's out of control.
0: Misha Barton. She's getting a mention.
1: Oh, okay, okay. I I take it back. I've got... Can you edit this out, Horace?
0: Oh, yeah, I can try.
1: (laughs) George Lucas is halfway down the page. But you have to click through to Celebrity. And they do have that cake. Next to... A birthday cake for Jim Morrison's 65th birthday. (laughs) Who's going to eat it? And then in small letters it says "celebrated by surviving Doors members."
0: What? (laughs) Oh.
1: And you've got that next to Star Wars? Come on. Uh, I don't know, man. Force goes, Jim Morrison.
0: Being like, hey, I wish I could have a slice of that.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. That is so funny. Uh, Let's... Hits Lawrence Kasdan June 15th, screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan, who had met George Lucas through Steven Spielberg delivers the first draft script of Raiders of the Lost Ark to Lucas. During a lunch meeting Lucas hires Kasdan to polish Lucas's second draft screenplay for The Empire Strikes Back. Bracket script is discarded, but her name stays on the credits because I like her a lot Lucas says. She was sick at the time. She wrote it and she really tried her best. Which, when I read it out, sounds quite pandering.
0: Right. I don't think it was, or at least I like to think it's not as pandering.
1: Yes. Well, I sort of read them all out in, in a, some form of pandering way. And then when I got to the end of that, I was just like, this isn't working out at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. There's a, uh, a trope. Introduced or reinforced in Star Wars comics with Valance the Hunter. June 27th, Star Wars 16, cover date October, introduces Valance, a former Imperial Stormtrooper officer of Ruthless Promise, who is now a mercenary and bounty hunter with an intense hatred of droids. Written by Archie Goodwin, The Hunter is the first Star Wars comic story in which... The movie's principal characters are not prominently featured, fe- appearing only in a one-page summary sequence. So the droid hater—he
0: was basically the Mandalorian and Cara Dune combined. Well, I guess she was. She wasn't a former Imperial; she was a former rebel.
1: Yeah, with a bit of—if um, you look at that skull on his outfit—a bit of bit of like Punisher or something.
0: You know, his armor doesn't look too terribly different to the Cara dunes it actually doesn't
1: it actually doesn't and the cover is amazing um with him sort of running through and then there's all these floating heads there's a head at the back next to Chewbacca that I've just realized is meant to be Han Solo
0: that's what I was sitting here wondering is the other uh, character with the brown hair is that supposed to be Luke then Yeah. Because Han Solo, if the one by Chewie is supposed to be Han Solo, that looks like Conan the Barbarian.
1: It looks like if a Vulcan was turning into the Hulk. Yes, yes. I hope all the sickos doing the read-along enjoy that. Um, And then they've got Jax, the, the bunny, the infamous bunny character in Star Wars comics. And
0: Jackson does not look happy. He's angry about the Hunter. C-3PO,
1: it's hard to get a read. He looks a bit shocked, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: I, um... What do you make of Star Wars comics, Horace?
0: I, I find a lot to enjoy in the old Marvel ones. They don't always feel like star Wars and some of them are quite goofy, but it's like this interesting era where so little about star Wars had been defined that it is kind of funny to see other people's takes on star Wars. And especially in that particular era, like if you tried to put out any of these Marvel storylines today and, and with the whole idea of it's all canon, it's all connected. Like, I think there would be some pretty serious pushback. but
1: Who's swimming? Who's drowning? I don't know.
0: And and I remember there's this one particular guy that I eventually had to block on Twitter that was like a real fervent Last Jedi hater. And not just like he didn't like. Edward Furlong. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh,
1: I was trying to think of like a a lower end Tom Cruise person you could block. (laughs)
0: Yeah, there you go. Oh. Man, talk about a difference. <laughs> Different end of the spectrum. What could it be? What could it uh, be? Who, I mean, I, not just didn't like the movie, but like spent all his time.
1: Hey, can I ask you a question, Horse? Yeah.
0: Sorry.
1: Do you reckon Edward Furlong just looks at Leonardo DiCaprio and just like goes, damn it.
0: Oof. I mean, you got to figure that guy thought after T2 that it was easy sailing after that, right? Who didn't? And what has he been in? Rehab. Uh, definitely rehab. Definitely rehab. I think he was a crow at one point.
1: Oh, in the crow?
0: Yeah, like in one of the direct-to-video sequels to the crow. Oof.
1: That's how desperate he was. Like, tell me you'd be taking the role of the crow.
0: Like after Brandon Lee died. Like,
1: nah. You can keep
0: that. I mean, they tried. Like, the second one made it into theaters, right? Crow City of Angels. They gave it a legitimate try to turn that into a franchise. And since then, it it has been languishing in direct-to-video. I don't know that they've even made a direct-to-video one in a long time.
1: I can tell you how badly it's <sighs> doing. It doesn't get a mention on the Cake and Art Celebrity Board.
0: <laughs> oh!
1: So there you go. Jessica Alba. Hayden Pantier celebrated her birthday on set of Heroes with a Heroes-themed cake. Which is... You're into Heroes, yeah, Horst. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah! I'm, I'm tangenting on my tangent. You would have been someone that kept watching the next series and kidding yourself that it was still good.
0: I, I don't know how I feel about that, buddy. Because I stopped <laughs> watching after season two. Uh, but you know what? So... I watched the first season of Heroes when it aired, like as it was airing. And then when I moved to Birmingham, I didn't have cable for a couple of years. So I avoided all spoilers about season two of Heroes. And the day that box set came out on DVD, I got up and went to Best Buy. Like when they opened, this is how excited I was, right? Got it, brought it home, started popping in the DVDs. Mistakes were made. What was happening?
1: Was 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 Hero, was he in Japan then?
0: Yes, the, that's, I believe that's the one that um, starts with him having traveled back in time to Japan. Like to feudal Japan.
1: Fonzie was just water skiing all
0: through that season. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Talk about, like, a promising first season that ends... Did not go so well. Oh, man. That guy with the glasses, Claire's dad. Man, that character. It was
1: so good. Skylar.
0: Skylar, Matt Parkman, my boy Greg Grumberg. Snap, It was Skylar's finger? I do. Could get a lot done. It sure could. And then the Petrelli brothers. Oh no! Oh, we don't believe our brother can fly. <laughs> the Petrelli brothers. That's what. That's what. They, Nathan and something. Those, Nathan and Peter Petrelli. Those scallywags. Uh, oh, so that that
1: gets us to halfway through nineteen seventy-eight. So I, I think we'll do this as a two-parter. So we'll get together maybe next week and episode 10 will be the back
0: half of uh, 78. What do you say? Sounds great to me because there's a lot left to cover.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: There is uh,
1: there's the holiday special, I believe. Holiday special. There's another Mad Magazine. There's, there's rocket-firing Boba Fett. There is some amazing... Japanese Star Wars. Oh, that Takara. Oh, gosh. Oh. There's the Ranch. There's even some uh, a very desirable uh, UK exclusive. And uh, Battlestar Galactica and a whole lot more. So we'll do that back on the... Uh, it'll be back on our Patreon exclusive feed. So, uh, whores for uh, those people that are listening through my podcast... Let the good people know how to find your podcast, which I'm sure they do, and where to find the Patreon and what you got going on there.
0: So you can check me out uh, every Saturday on Blue Harvest. My buddy Will and I uh, put out an episode, and we have our own Patreon where we do this show, and we have one where we play the old uh, early 90s Star Wars role-playing game with Robbo, and we have... A uh, show with Emily Lind, and we have all kinds of full, fun stuff. Will does a cooking show; it's a good time. I just ring Will with my cooking needs. <laughs> he was so excited. Ah, uh, I was so
1: excited. He he came through.
0: I, I I can't stand
1: not cooking with confidence. Nice, like it's especially like we were cooking. Um, it was the Thanksgiving turkey. And you don't want to mess up the bird.
0: No, it's like the centerpiece of the whole thing, right?
1: But birds so fragile. Do
0: you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't like, you know, you don't cook it enough. You're hurting for certain. Right. And then if you overcook it, like there's your main, main course down the drain. I, I, I prefer the overcook.
1: Because I make about 18 liters of gravy. And so it's nice. just going to cover up the flavor anyway. So there's
0: my turkey you know, ribcork. You know what we got to do for you sometime, buddy? We got to figure it out. Deep fried turkey. Oh, that's what my family does for Thanksgiving, and it is so good.
1: Does it have batter on it, like like fried chicken?
0: Uh, so no. What you do is. You cover it in spices, like a spice mixture, some salt, some pepper, some other things. And you like rub it under the skin as well. And then you dunk that in the oil and it gets crispy, kind of like fried chicken, but more like, you know, when you go get hot wings or something, how they're not breaded, they're just fried and then coated. Oh my God. Pause.
1: (sighs) I I feel like I need to turn on the oven. And then finish up the outro. You're making me so hungry.
0: <laughs> Dude, it's so good. It's my preferred way to have turkey is deep fried.
1: Oh, you're making me way hungrier than the, the blasphemous celebrity page on the cake and art gallery. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, if you're a Blue Harvest listener, I do my podcast Steel Wars every week. And if you want to check out the Patreon, we, we've got all the, the back episodes of this, along with so does Horse, and then I do Q&As, I do the Robber Report, I do Page Wars with uh, the great man King Tom, who tells me what happens in new books and comics, because I don't have time. I'm too busy talking about fried turkey. With Love Horse that
0: show. To uh, Cheers, man. When do you think the next one's going to be? The novelization, probably, huh?
1: No, 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 We've, we're going to try to do one this week Because there's comics We're going to talk about this oh, Kylo yeah. Ren comic
0: Perfect, I can't wait to hear that then And oh, this is some good sizzle
1: We're going to do a reverse page wars And I'm going to explain what happens in Star Wars Union The
0: <laughs>
1: expanded universe two-part comic Where Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade say, I do
0: doesn't it start off with Luke's, like, bachelor party? There, is a,
1: there is a bachelor party in, in the comic. I I, I I read it a couple months ago, so I've got I've to brush up. But it is – it's amazing. Perfect. Like, it's like a comic kind of like the OC in Star Wars or something. Like, with all the, the romance drama.
0: Uh, oh, oh, I, you know, I don't know that I've actually read it.
1: Ah, oh, it's a banger, but I'll, I'll, Hey, I'm here for you. You don't have to read it, buddy. Perfect. So, uh, yeah. And at steel wars on Twitter, thanks to all our patrons on blue harvest and steel wars for supporting the pod. And uh hope you're enjoying these bonus episodes that you richly deserve. And, um, Horse, man, I love doing these with you. This was the best fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, buddy. So, uh, have a good rest of the day, and may that force be with you.
0: Do you have an outro, Horse? S- see you later. Suckers, that's, that's oh, Robo's one. His is so long, Suckers. Mine's oh. just. See you later. He's going to be so annoyed that I got that wrong. Oh, yeah. I can hear the... (sighs) (laughs) No, no. Yeah, so long, suckers. Yeah, that's Robbo. Whatever.